0: He, <laughs> Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And
1: I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of
2: time? That's what we're here to find out. We're paying another visit to our listener library. Two different Mysterious Old listeners recommended that we check out The Outsider from the 1960s era series, The Black Mass. Our thanks to both Moses and Ethan. The Black Mass aired on KPFA
1: in Berkeley and KPFK in Los Angeles from 1963 to 1967. Shows were adapted, performed, and produced by Eric Bowersfeld, who became the Director of Drama and Literature at KPFA in 1966 and held the position until 1991.
0: When Ethan contacted us about the episode, he pointed out to us that Eric Bowersfeld is not just known for the Black Mass. He's more famous as the voice of Admiral Akbar, the Mon Calamari military leader, as well as the voice of Bib Fortuna in Return of the Jedi. Sadly, Bowersfeld passed away at the age of 93 in April of 2016.
2: The Outsider is an adaptation of a short story by H.P. Lovecraft, one of the most influential horror writers of the 20th century. Lovecraft was known for a distinctive style of cosmic horror, depicting characters driven to madness and disaster when confronted by otherworldly gods, indescribable beings beyond the scope of comprehension. Lovecraft is remembered for his masterful ability to create a sense of dread, his peculiarly expansive vocabulary, and his occasional not-so-subtle racism. The Outsider was written in 1921 and was ultimately published in Weird Tales magazine in April of 1926. So now,
1: by double request, let's listen to The Outsider, an episode of The Black Mass, first broadcast November 20th,
0: 1968. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speakers. Listen to the music. And listen to the voices. Welcome to the
3: Black Man. On this program, you will hear The Outsider by H.P. Lovecraft. The story was adapted and performed by Eric Bowerthold. Here now is The Outsider by H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Memories of childhood bring only fear and sadness. I know not where I was born. I remember only this castle, infinitely old and infinitely horrible, full of dark passages and dismal high-ceilinged chambers. The stones in the crumbling corridor seemed always hideously damp. And the snow everywhere coming up out of the deeper passages from the remains there. The generations of bones that led endlessly down into the earth. The light was a dim and uniform grey, throwing... No shadows. Outside in the forest, there was no sunlight able to come through the trees. The branches thickly interwove overhead, cutting out all sight of anything above. Except there was one black tower of the castle that reached beyond the trees. It rose up inside into a dark and inaccessible height. There was no stairway. It could not be ascended, save by an impossible climb up the sheer wall, stone by stone. I must have lived in this place all my childhood, but I cannot measure the time. Someone must have cared for my needs, yet I cannot recall any person except myself, or anything else, alive. I think that whoever nursed me must have been terribly aged. My first conception of a living person was of something distorted, shriveled, and decaying. I, I remember there was such a corpse. I often went to it with a feeling of reverence and attachment. It was a woman An ancient, lying as she had died, partly eaten around the throat and chest, the terrible gesture of horror in her sprawled position and opened mouth. I would sometimes roam the passage where she lay. I seemed to be drawn there. I wanted to kneel before it, to lie my head against it. Once, once I recall, I, I reached, I reached out to touch her, and, and she seemed to draw away in horror as if some instinct of recoil had penetrated to the very bones of the hideous thing. It fell off the ledge, breaking apart on the stones below. I dared not touch her again. Otherwise, to me, there was nothing grotesque in the bones and skeletons that populated my world. They were, to me, more natural than the colored pictures of living people I found in many of the ancient books that lined shelves and piled corners. From such books, I learned all that I know. No teacher urged or guided me. And I do not recall hearing any human voice in all those years... Not even my own. Although I read a speech, I had never thought to try speaking aloud myself. I felt conscious of youth because I remembered so little. I'd wander outside by the moat, filled with the thick and stagnant water imagined it to be the great seas I saw in the picture books. I even constructed a boat, a toy boat, with masts and set it upon the water. But the slime held it. It couldn't sail. I watched it slip through the surface, sinking slowly, inch by inch down. Down till it disappeared. Across the moat, under the dark, mute trees, I would often lie and dream for hours about what I read in the books, and would longingly picture myself there in the sunny world beyond the forest. I so long, so long, and now nothing will separate. Nothing. Pictures would fade. They were not real. Oh, I wanted to make them real. I'd... I'd try to escape the forest. I'd... I'd run. I'd... I'd run, but the... The farther I ran from the castle, the more dense became the shade. The thickness filled me with a terrible fear until I forgot my search and and turned back. Back. So through endless twilights I dreamed and waited. For what? Only skulls looked up at me, their gaping jaws, their silence. In my madness, I'd I'd crush them. Who? Who put me here? Why? Why? My longing for light grew so frantic I could rest no more. The tower, the tower that reached up into the dark absorbed me. I stood beneath it and raised my hands into the abyss. Ah, There must be a way. (laughs) There must be... Stood flat against the stones, grasping them. Strange, I could hold on to the stones more easily than I thought. I, I, I pulled myself up, stone by by stone, round the tower. and looked above there was no end to the darkness below the dim light seemed to be fading but I had no fear oh no fear no no fear only great anticipation why hadn't I tried before there, there were ledges in the rock. And places to hold. Places to hold. Hours later, I had reached the top. I, I clung not. to the stone. My head against her. The roof, the stone panel that would lift. Oh, the climb had strengthened, not weakened me. It It took took mere effort now to brace my shoulders against it and push up and out from the wall. The effort, the strain was pure joy. I had felt as if something else was working, some other thing in me that drew me out. I was out. Stone had fallen shut. But I had reached the outside. No was the radiant for all. I had never seen it before except in dreams and in vague visions. Memories. fell upon me like... But where was I? How high above the trees. It seemed I was on a stone platform, but vast, vast. An observatory. But there were columns. About broken, and beyond the platform, other stones, small ones with inscriptions and dates. Between the stones, ah, earth, earth. There stretched around me nothing less than the solid earth, housed with marble slabs and columns, and overshadowed by an ancient stone church whose ruined spires gleamed spectrally in the moonlight. The earth. <laughs> the earth. <laughs> Was this insanity or dreaming? dreaming. There was a familiarity. Oh, but no, this was the world, and I would go forth to meet it. There were meadows with the smell of grass and trees that did not cover the sky. Oh, and houses, houses. Some ancient ruins that my mind tried to reconstruct. But others, others with lights. Ah, I could see figures inside. Lights. So my mind played tricks. If I looked too long, the lights would fade. The figures melt away. The walls seem ancient. Ruins. As if my own castle back there. No. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I walked on. I I almost knew the road. On. In a direction. Yes. Inevitably, in any direction. A large little house. Surrounded by a park with great windows, ablaze with light and sound. There was a courtyard. Oh, Oh, this was the world. Oh, how brilliant it was! How merry. Never heard human voices before. And it was familiar to me. Too. Some of the faces seemed to hold expressions that, that brought up remote recollections. Oh, they, they smiled. They talked to each other. They laughed, laughed. Oh, world! The, the windows before me were, were two doors. I put my hands to each to enter and and pushed opened into the joyous room. The people became silent. They all stared with a strange and and familiar expression. I, I I tried to speak to them, uh, but it it was hard to speak. Uh, No, I I walked toward them, but they fled, fled. Every face distorted, screams, hands covering their eyes. Stumbling, stumbling away! Wait! 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 L- like like mist they faded before me. They seemed to melt into the walls, through doors, dragging each other. No, wait! 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 They had all been gathered before a wall, which now stood bare, with gilded designs bordering an archway, but the arch was black, reflecting the room. There was only one figure in it. Vague as I approached, then more and more clearly I could see it. It! It! A compound of all that is unclean, unwelcome, abnormal and detestable. The ghoulish shade of decay, antiquity, and dissolution, That putrid Eidolon of some unwholesome revelation. The awful bearing of that which the merciful earth should always hide. It was not or no longer of this world. Yet in its eaten away, bony outlines, I saw a leering, abhorrent travesty on the human shape. My, no, no, no! The eyes as I approached held mine open. I couldn't turn away. But I would wipe out the sight. I'd reach out. Uh, I stretched out my fingers to the abomination. To touch a cold and unyielding surface of polished glass. But it would yield. It would yield. It would yield. At that last moment, I had recognized him. When I returned to the graveyard... The stone door was immovable. Now... Now I ride with the mocking and friendly ghouls on the night wind and play by day in the catacomb. I know that light is not for me, save that of the moon. Yet in my new wildness and freedom I welcome the bitterness of alienage. For I know always that I am an outsider. An outsider. Stranger in this century. For a time. A stranger among those who are still. That was The Outsider by H. P. Lovecraft. The story was adapted for radio and performed by Eric Bowersfeld with technical production by John Whiting. And now, good night.
0: That was The Outsider from the series The Black Mass here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that was a listener request from two separate listeners, so we get to cross two off our list. <laughs> uh, yeah. Moses and Ethan, thank you for that. Now, I know that Tim is going to have a lot to say being our resident uh, Lovecraft aficionado and me not knowing all I know about Lovecraft is from our 130 episodes of this show. (laughs) I was introduced to Lovecraft because of this show, and the only things I know by him are adaptations of old-time radio drama. (laughs) I didn't know anything about him before I met Tim, or before we started the show. I heard the name, but didn't care. As I learn more and more, I'm getting more and more intrigued and sucked in, Uh, so I'm sure we'll hear a lot from you, and I'm sure Joshua has an opinion on something. But... uh, <laughs> but I will say that's three in a row for me in this podcast that I have really enjoyed myself. Not knowing anything about Lovecraft, I think helps me. I think that's to my advantage, right? I just go, I don't know. Let's hear a story. That's
1: probably to your advantage in all walks of life. <laughs> right, <it> is, right?
0: <laughs> I don't know what's going on. The minute, you know, Canon, that's going to ruin everything uh, for yep. you. And so I don't know this story. And Yes, he uses flowery language sometimes that is hard to follow and the way he writes it or the way he tells a story. And I did have my moments in here. I was like, what now? What's happening? And then I, and then I caught up. And, but overall, I really loved this, especially since it's just a monologue. With some sound effects. And I will tell you, if you approach me with that as an idea, I'm going to look at you and say, nope. That's
1: what I assumed, idea. honestly. I was prepared to defend this against your onslaught. <laughs> because,
0: like... it, because then it becomes act two of War of the Worlds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll reach it back in time to slap and Wells several episodes ago. <laughs> I will tell you why
0: it works. It's... actor-driven. This is a brilliant performance. It's
1: not an audiobook. It is a one-man show. It is dramatic.
0: Mm -hmm. And he does a brilliant job of taking something that could very easily fail and become really boring to listen to, especially with how Lovecraft writes, and gave it so much breadth and depth and uh, substance and suspenseful and Amazing moments and made it easier to follow that language of Lovecraft writing. So, yeah, I-,
1: I will piggyback on that and say, I think I read this story for the first time maybe in my 30s, The Outsider, and I was just like, meh, it felt just too much like. A 16-year-old goth's journal entry. Fan fiction. It felt really (laughs) adolescent to me. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've thought of it for a couple decades. And this adaptation of it tapped into what I think is underneath it. Had this more primal, deeper human quality
2: to it. And now I want to go back and read the story after hearing this. I think I wrote it off too soon. I think everything you've said is completely accurate. I, mean, I don't know that I'm going to provide that much more insight, but people will frequently hang on this story that it is Lovecraft's Poe story, his Edgar Allan mm-hmm. Poe yeah. story, that it is much more a throwback to, to horror that came before him than to what was going to be coming. Yeah, telltale heart. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe with
1: a little touch of Kafka. It has some <laughs> of that dream logic
0: mm-hmm. of yes.
1: Kafka that you have to That's
0: sort those-
2: of buy into.
0: And also pay attention. Those are the moments where you can get really lost.
2: This is also a story that gets adapted a lot. There's many short film versions of The Outsider. There's the game show, too. (laughs) I I love the
0: game show adaptation. Moving along. (laughs) Uh,
2: And I totally agree that the performance makes this totally come alive and really gets at the what is good about the actual writing.
0: Did you like the Lovecraft story? I know you probably like all of it, but was this one of your favorites before listening to this?
2: Was this no. One you, oh, really? There's been a lot of adaptations of this, so I go, ah, it's The Outsider again.
0: But in general, do you like The Outsider? I mean, Joshua was just saying... Yeah, no, I,
2: I kind of agreed with that, that it's yeah. not him at his best. But this adaptation of it, I think makes me rethink that, that there's a lot of really good stuff here.
0: So from a novice point of view, and again, for anybody who's new to this podcast, uh, we don't talk at all about these before we sit down. So you're hearing the actual conversation. There's no notes to each other at all. So I, I wish there were some. <laughs> <laughs> so I have my theory on what I just heard. And you're either going to go, what, you idiot, or I got it. <laughs> Uh, at a certain point, I went, So he's in hell, and he's a uh, being in hell, and this is what hell is. And he crawled up and out off of this tower across some kind of bridge of some sort back to human existence. And he is a demon from hell.
2: That is almost literally what it is. Um, oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, oh, thank God. I was drawing hoping. from other Lovecraftian sources. I can give specific names of things that he was in the underworld. Crawled up the Black Tower, mm-hmm. uh, and he is a ghoul. Yeah, Eric. But, <laughs> but like I said, that that's Good. not in the actual material itself. That's comparing it to other things that look bad written.
0: So it was really cool because you know, I don't know what's going on. Does he have amnesia? <laughs> was he a child left in this weird
2: place?
1: Well, I don't think you're supposed to know at first. <clears throat> right, I think you're supposed yeah. to ask those questions and then it slowly becomes apparent by the time he when right. he gets out is when you go, Oh yeah, when, when you they, see the when stones he with the... names and
2: dates like
0: Well, when he opens the doors and the party at the local carnival or wherever he is in the park starts to scream and run away in horror Mm -hmm. and it becomes an episode of Shrek or (laughs) better yet, Uh, it's Frankenstein. Please don't run away. I I don't mean any harm, but that's when I started, we crawled up and out and oh, this this is what's happening. I also love the idea. I've never really heard this concept before that to me, all the concepts of hell I've ever heard are... A communal. <laughs> like oh, yeah. It's a bunch of people in one place, you know, wailing and moaning and on fire. This was interesting that hell is alone and you don't know where you are and how you got there. That seems even more horrifying and miserable than oh, I'm in hell and everything's on fire. At least there's this guy to talk to and I can lean (laughs) over and go, doesn't this suck?
1: (laughs) In that way, I think it's interesting as kind of a bizarro Lovecraft story in that the narrator actually finds something resembling peace at the end once he escapes that loneliness and is with other ghouls. Yeah. It's one of those few times in his writing where the realization that you are in this meaningless cosmic universe of horror is a happy ending. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) What's
1: that rare? At least I'm not alone. There are other ghouls.
2: That rare flip of his traditional sort of xenophobic outlook on life where the main character is the outsider, Mm -hmm. uh, which is usually the bad thing. And it's, uh, as a Lovecraft fan, it was a little odd split to hear this version of, it is the story told from the point of view of an outsider, someone who is not a white dude, Mm -hmm. to speak the metaphor. So it has sympathy for it, but also all along the way, is just talking about how horrible he is, how forsaken, what a terrible mm-hmm. wretch he is. Like, yeah, that's still Lovecraft. Right.
0: <laughs> I want to talk not about the Lovecraft thing for a second. I want to talk about Black Mass for a second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First of all, I was going to start our discussion with this, but it's okay, it's coming now. If you're a listener and you're wondering why I elected to keep that static in at the end, Do you know what I'm talking about? That horrible static at the end. If that was part of the bad recording or if it was Black Mass on purpose did that, which I'm pretty sure it wasn't. But I'm going to tell you something. I left it in because, wow, that brought something to it that made it even more terrifying. (laughs) You know, like that was if it's by accident. What a happy accident that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh my
1: God, that was,
0: I jumped out of my chair.
1: Everyone in the studio died.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was, as I wrote down, the fade to some quick burst static, then that loud burst of static, it was wholly scary. You know, it was just so cool. Like
1: you just maybe were just tuning the dials and picked up some cry from hell that you weren't supposed to hear. So my
0: question is, I'm pretty sure it's because of the recording of that. It's not a thing the Black Mass did on purpose.
1: No, I think it is just static. But um, you can, it's like found poetry, man. <laughs> it's part of what draws us to old time radio, this sort of thing that feels far away and distant that we're rediscovering. So and I
2: think that production earns that happy accident. Yeah, <laughs> That's but true I, too.
0: But I will tell you this, that if...
2: It's annoying if you're listening to Lone st- Ranger, right? It's like, oh, gosh, turn this
1: I'm off.
0: stealing that. that ex- I'm going to record that exact sound, and next time I'm doing something that is a scary production, stage or otherwise, that is going to be my ending. <laughs> the lights are going to go out in the theater, and it's going... <laughs> and then the lights will come up, and we're all going to be dead. <laughs> um, the other thing about Black Mass, and this is my first Black Mass, I've known of it and just haven't gotten around to it, the opening is crazy creepy. The best way to describe it is that opening is subtle, undefined. It has very soft edges. It's nothing sharp and definitive about the music or the choral singing. And it's like, am I hearing what I think I'm hearing? Or is it's so mesmerizing. It like it's
1: some ancient profane ritual that right? you <laughs> stumbled across again. Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: not quite music, you know? I remember when I was hearing the music throughout the whole thing, uh, you know, these little discordant touches here and there, there was probably thought like, ah, I've, I've heard this over and over again. But to really appreciate this is 1965 or whatever it was. Of, mm-hmm. This is when you haven't heard this over and over again. Mm-hmm. This is um, mm-hmm. I really liked it. It's
0: one of my favorite, it's top 10 favorite openings to a radio show. Yeah. You know, you can just play that scary organ and have a you know, your narrator going, ah, ha, 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 welcome. And you know, like you can, <laughs> there's all sorts of things you can do, but this was like, you had to strain to go, is it started? Oh, it has started. Is that a song? I don't know. Oh, wait. Ooh, Ooh, somebody singing. Are they singing? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. It's dreamlike I yep. think is the yeah. best way to put that opening. And I really enjoyed the production of mm-hmm. the black mass from their opening and closing to how they adapted it and performed it. And the Foley, I really it reminded it. me
1: a lot of quiet, please. Yes, while being it drastically does. different. It has yeah. that minimalist approach. Mm-hmm. Also, we have the same actor again in all of them. It's mm-hmm. this guy in the main mm-hmm. uh, role every time, Admiral Akbar. <laughs> and by the way, I just, I had to listen to it twice. Cause the first time I listened to it, I was just going, it's Admiral Akbar reading HB <laughs> <H. P>. Lovecraft. <laughs> And once I was over that, I could go back and actually listen to it with any sort of critical ear because I just loved every second of it. Uh, but the sound effects are very minimal and they're sprinkled through sparingly. So you mm-hmm. get like that mm-hmm. drip when he's in the underworld. It just sort of suggests the opening sort of and he's emptiness. groaning and yeah. 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 yeah, 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 and yeah. Just drip. Yeah, it was at the very end, when he barges into the party, mm-hmm. and it just goes to silence. There's a glass drop, and then silence mm-hmm. before they scream. Before that,
2: when the the music, he can start to hear the party outside, and it's his
0: daydream. Um, Is that what you're talking about? When he goes out into the woods and lays down and thinks about what the other world might be like. I was thinking of the sounds that
2: attracted him to the party.
0: Oh, oh. right. But it's the same sounds, because sounds when, he da- when yeah. he's daydreaming, it's interesting. And just to digress, and I'm so sorry, but that moment, too, I thought that the sound of his daydream was not sharp edges and dreamy and unholy in some weird way. It was and, somehow warm. Yeah. And everything else was so cold. And, and terrifying, though, also. But as you were saying, later, it comes back. Yeah.
2: And after all that silence and echoey distance from everything else, it's very effective. And then so heartbreaking when he tries to go to it and ruins everything.
0: It gets a little hard to follow in certain moments when he gets up to the surface, but he basically comes across his reflection, sees what yeah. he is, pushes and, his way through a mirror and then realizes he can't go back. Yes. And so he's doomed to roam the earth as a as a ghoul. Go, ghoul or ghost. But for spirit. him,
2: it's not really a curse. Yeah, it was, like, like you said, he's in the narrative, he's found coming. other ghouls and they mm-hmm. play among the catacombs. And- yeah.
1: That creepy description of the dead body he in the underworld he assumes must have been his ancestor nursemaid, that's, which strongly implies that she's dead
2: because he killed her. Like rat nod and <laughs> yeah, nudges her and she falls over. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's awful. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a hole in it that there's all these books, and everything he knows is from the books. Then who taught you to read the books?
1: That's why I talk about the dream logic. There's a lot. Also, <laughs> ah, like, he, there's no mirrors in the Underworld, but he could just, you know, look down. But if you're going to be really logical he, about it, it impeccably falls apart.
2: An dressed ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> With excellent hands.
1: <laughs> yes, and it's just he's got a terribly scarred face. There's also the final performance um, by Admiral is <laughs> Amazing, though, that just desperate, imploring wait. Wait, that he's screaming Mm -hmm. as the party goers run away, and then it goes away, and you just hear his labored Mm -hmm. breathing, and then there's just one final really quiet wait. Mm -hmm. You don't need a full cast, do you, at that point? That's just (laughs) just really good.
0: I thought the actor found the arcs really, Mm -hmm. really, really well, and found a way to make each segment, each scene, uh, stand out on its own and come to life Merely and purely by choices, great choices,
2: any other thoughts, gentlemen? We have shown amazing restraint at not saying it's a trap. <laughs> We've gone a long time. <laughs> That's Admiral Akbar's
1: oh, famous line uh, from nice the
2: nice pretending uh, admiral. Ekbar, <laughs> who's he?
1: I really can't remember <laughs> which or... one he
0: is. I swear to God, which one is he? Is he the fish looking guy?
1: Yes. Oh, lion. is it?
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the so kind of like a fish, right? Yeah, with
1: the big bulbous fish Are you eyes. Messing yeah. with us, man. No. He really does not know. <laughs> I don't know any. Is.
0: I've seen Star Wars and all these movies and all that. I just don't remember their names. It's, it's a trap guy.
3: It's a trap. <laughs> What's <Where's> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's <laughs> a trap. <laughs>
1: this will be the next 15 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. And my Adam Ackbar sounds a lot like Nixon.
3: <laughs> it's a trap. I'm not a fish.
0: <laughs> Is that before or after he cut that animal open and lived in it?
1: <laughs> Just get off the podcast.
2: <laughs> You're done. So voting then?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll start it. Right. Uh I really enjoyed this a lot. That was a lot of fun. It was really uh, well done. And it held, not only held my attention, but it kept me riveted. And so I think it stands the test of time. And uh, I would highly recommend it.
2: Yeah, I agree. I don't know that I would say classic necessarily. No. But it is excellent. Uh, I really want to hear more Black Mass episodes for all the things you said about what a well-produced, thoughtful, specific kind of way that they create their shows. Mm -hmm. And this adaptation is an Excellent adaptation of a story that I like more than I thought I did.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and call it a classic for the reasons that I already stated, is that it actually, I think, not only is true to the original short story, but for me, kind of elevates it. It also does something which I think is really difficult to do. I think it makes Lovecraft. Accessible to someone who hasn't read it, I think this could be something you would hear and go, "I would like to read Lovecraft." Instead of a lot of the other adaptations we've listened to, things like the suspense Lovecraft story almost feels like, "Sorry, if you don't know Lovecraft, you're not invited." It, yeah. could, it yeah. makes Lovecraft accessible, and that is a feat.
0: It is um, speaking as that guy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think this is a classic.
0: Classic. Wow, threw that out there. Been a while
2: for you. Yeah, I'm stingy. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. It's a trap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You will find other episodes of this podcast there, as well as information about our live shows. It's also a great way to contact us through our contact page, links to social media outlets. I don't know if they're actually outlets, but links to social media. um, And also just commenting on individual episodes, like a lot of folks do, and we appreciate it.
1: You can also go to Patreon.com/slash/TheMorals and support this podcast. Uh, we've got all sorts of great rewards, uh, videos of us going, "It's a trap!" <laughs> no, but if you want it, we uh, will know. <laughs> we'll put it up there. Uh, and you can also go to iTunes and write a review because we love
0: reviews. Is that it? That's all That's you're going to say? Okay.
1: Yeah. If I keep talking, I'm going to say, it's a trap again, (laughs) because now I've started.
0: (laughs) Uh, Next up is our 131st episode. Is that right? Yes, it is. Uh, We are going to be doing a pick from Joshua.
1: And it is going to be an episode of The Hermit's Cave called The House... It's a trap! (laughs) (laughs) The House on Lost Man's Bluff. And yes, no spoilers, but it is a trap. (laughs) Until then
3: stone had fallen shut but i had reached the outside it's a trap